0: All right, you crazy cats. Today's guest is my good friend and co-host, Chris Walton, and a small introduction to his business partner, Jason. Together they own a personal training gym and facility called Better Body Group in Sevenoaks. Um, it's a good chance to get to know Chris, my co-host. We talk about their business, um, where it all started, and their journey, getting to where they are today. Um, it was a good chat. I learnt from Chris about kind of something I think Chris does well is seizing the moment and, and learning from his failures and not being afraid to give things a go. It was a good chat. I hope you enjoy it. Chris Walton and Jason Crow from the Better Body Group. But I was definitely going to talk to Chris about the Better Body Shop. So that's probably a good place to start to be honest with you, mate. Because I've been coming here since it was... Basically a cupboard in Bat and Ball, right? A three story cupboard.
1: I'm nodding. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nodding doesn't really work for a podcast, mate.
1: That's a dog f- in the back seat, it works all really well, but... it was. It so was tell me, it when, was a three-bedroom when, when did it start? It started about fourteen years ago now. I think it's uh, it's a bit like your kid's age, it gets longer every time you say it.
0: Fourteen years, shit. When did you start? <laughs> I was
2: wondering what you were gonna say there. It gets longer every time you say it. It's a bit like your kids. <laughs> and
1: then it could have gone anyway with you. It could have been. It yeah. Have anyway. Back or front. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it is a thing like your kids' age. It's a fact that people always say, you know, how long have you been in the business or how long has the, the Betty Body Ship been going? It's fact that uh, I lose track after a while. I think I just. Did I, it
0: start in Godf- in the little place in Godfrey's? No, it, it
1: actually started up the road at one of the physio clinics. Did it? Yeah. 'Cause I I came back I think after working for the Americans and having they had a they got a really strong work ethic and a really good mission statement and their their processes are in place and they take take health and wellness really seriously. Yeah right. Um, I'm not saying we don't take it seriously, but ours is kind of it's more leisure based than, than actual goal driven. Yeah. And they kind of tried out tried a little bit in the British fitness industry like twenty years ago and it was like it was just pants. Right. So uh
0: but when did it move to Godfrey's?
1: I think it, 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 moved, it moved to Godfrey's when um. we were we were in the we were. I think it's when I was working with renting space with people that expect you to refer to them when that isn't based on how good they are. Right. Has it been? Well, the, the physios I was working with they were they were they were a company. Yeah. And if I sent my client who was injured to someone I expect them to get results and I expect them to be with the best person because otherwise you know yeah right you, that, that's, that's what that's what you expect from me really wouldn't you and that's yeah. the whole ethos of it uh-huh. and when you find you're in a situation where you're not referring to the place that you're at because you want to choose from a selection of the physios around who are the best yeah and I think it, things get a little bit strained with that and you you want that little bit of free choice so yeah. I chose The benefit of my clients over the kind of comfort of being in one place and just having to refer to to one person. It's why I don't go to networking meetings where they say you've got to give so many referrals out to the people in the group. group. Right? Why would you do that? Yeah. You know, you want to give it. Do you want to be able to research and get the best people? Yeah. Right. Makes sense, really.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: If you're like like you, Ricky, I would I'd I'd it's it's up to me, and I'm responsible to make sure that you get to the right person if you've got an injury, or you you, you want to you know know about your nutrition. Or part of, part of my job is not only training you, to, but to look after you and make sure that you go to the right person. So when you come back, you're that much closer to your goal.
3: Yeah,
0: it's kind of staking your reputation on that person as well, really, isn't it? I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like anything. It's that kind of they. You're almost outsourcing to them. They are they are part of your business. Yeah. And, and as we move forward now a lot of what I'd like to do is, is start getting more to the to partnerships that actually get people to that result right it's not necessarily a difficult thing I sit with my trainers and I go Look, you know what when someone comes in get them to visualize where they want to be right get' that before and after picture get that after picture down there and say to them how much do you want to be here yeah and there's a certain amount there as much as as Chris and I've worked on sales and it, 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 you know, a lot of time when you get into the sales stuff it's about get people in yeah but now I'm very much of the fact that I only want people in if they're willing to go for that, that after point. Right, yeah. Because otherwise, we're just, what we? We're just kind of encouraging them to stay the same. Yeah. And then they're wasting their money. Yeah. So I, I say to them, all right, you, I want you to get, this is where you want to be. If you want to be there, if you really want to be there, do this. If not, I'll, you know, you really shouldn't be with us. You should yeah. be in a literature centre. Uh-huh. And I'll say, well, once you've got that point, let's look at where you want to be after that. Because if you, if you look at it, I, I remember when I was in, doing martial arts years ago, and I did a Mind Over Matter course up at the Elephant Castle, and I was like, I oh, don't know, it must have been about 12. Right. And they they sat like 20, 20 guys down, yeah. and you sat down all pushing against each other. And then the guy at the furthest end just leant back leant back at everybody. And, he, and they said, well, everyone now resist, And the guy at the back, you push as hard as you can to try and push everyone over. It was <laughs> bonkers. You're like, well, why? why how... And then they said, All right, the guy at the back, I just want you to pretend you're in bed and just lean backwards as if you're in bed. Don't think about anything else. Right. And he pushed everyone over. And then the next part of that was the fact that he said, All right, now, whenever you do anything, don't push the person in front of you, push the last man. And everyone went over. And it was it was mind-blowing. Right. But if you take that same theory to our clients, is to start with, yes, you have to focus them on actually being. On that first goal, that first six weeks, because people don't. generally... Chris will tell you he's fantastic at this. He's got a, he, he spends a lot of time on goals and going through podcasts and looking at this stuff. And the the, the stuff he's talked to me about on habitual change is the fact that six week is a is a good point. Right. But from the mind of a matter, I still say, all right, that's your six week, and we use the the Psycho next door to do that because it gives you a percentage. Say, so okay, yeah, yeah. This is this is how many workouts. This is basically how much time. This is your calorie intake. That's that first point I want you to get to, but then. Once you've done that, I want you to be pushing, always pushing through to this next one. Yeah. Because you will change after that six weeks. Yeah. So that's the fun of it. Go at the result. Yeah.
0: Know. How much do you find them committing to people? Generally, once they've spent the money on personal training, do you find they commit and they and they, they see it through? Or do you see people being a bit flaky? It must be hard to see them come in and, and they haven't really lost any weight or haven't made any gains because their nutrition outside of the gym, what you don't control, must be...
1: Well, you know, I, I I think this this is where a lot of my work now comes in. Is a lot of the work I do now is is NLP based. A lot of it is motivation based. Okay. A lot of it is um, persuasion. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily manipulation because that's that's a negative side of it. Cold reading. Do a lot of cold reading work. What's that? Um, it's what magicians do when they they they, they uh, say, oh, uh, Rick, um, you look like um who looks after himself. Um, and then they 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 basically. Go through and guess, you know, it half its statistics. Right. As in, they'll ask out a question. And they've got five options that it could be, and they'll take you down a path. And by the end, you'll be convinced that they're uh, they've got ESP and they can read your brain. Right. Okay. But all that does is it makes you think a little bit about what's the most likely choices for people. But in the end, you're you're trying to take someone from a, a pre-contemplation stage. They've taken themselves from that pre-contemplation stage. You, they get to the contemplation stage where they've worked. They've come into the building, and now you're taking them through the next stages. But you have to be clever about it and activate their brain. Yeah, you're not you're not manipulating them. You are purely getting their brain in the right zone. Yeah. If anything, the, 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 the guys who use it, they use hypnosis as well with this. Yeah. Is the fact that it it gets you to say, look, you know what, I can achieve. You know, I actually want to be, the person, that I. Kind of think I want to be. Yeah. You know, they come along. They want to be fitter, but actually, start visualising that person. Yeah. What's it like being that person? Yeah. How do you how do you dress? How does it smell? And I think if we're doing any podcasts like this, what I'd like to do with this is have people in who can help you along that journey. Let's say it's a 12 week journey. Yeah. Let's say it's not just about getting fitter, but it's let's say let's picture how you look. So let's get one of the stylists in. Let's picture it's how you have your hair. Yeah. Let's make it so you're not a 50 year old with a gut. Yeah, let's make you so you actually feel attractive to your wife, and you know, let's put that whole process together. Yeah, and that's when your partners become important. Yeah, and then when you're talking to people, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially guys my age. I'm my fiftieth this this next month. Yeah, hog oh, roast. Um, <laughs> but it, the, 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 then you do very much come to that point where the things I face, it, it's 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 nice from the point because I see the other guys around me. I, I, I get frustrated. I go to a networking meeting. And see guys standing there with their hands on their belly, yeah. And they got their belly, you know. At which point is that a good thing? Yeah. At which point did they lose self-respect to go and shop at Gantt and you know wear a check shirt with their belly over their belt? I think there's some point. I'd like to do the the, the, the belt buckle challenge. You know, give them 102 centimeters around the belt. Give them a big old belt buckle, and see how comfortable that is with the gut sitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, there's got to there's got to be something done. Yeah. At which point did you die at 50? Yeah. Right. How many fat blokes do you see about? Yeah. Get some fucking self respect. Yeah. Yeah, I,
0: I I feel the same. Joel, just take care of yourself a bit better, but I suppose
1: it's they've got to be really ready to change, right? They, Most they, people have they have, but I think this is where as a fitness professional we can learn, you know, different techniques about how to get people's posture right with different exercise techniques. That's all great. However, I feel that's why you have a team and yeah. you should encourage your team to do that the The role of a leader and a, and a fitness leader is the fact that you should be able to help people get that mindset to make that fitness change because they're not going to do it on their own. Yeah. And we live in a world where even what we're doing now is there's there's a proliferation of people talking about fitness, about things you should do. The brain gets overloaded. Yeah. You know, keep it simple. Keep it to a chunk of time. Yeah. And allow people to work within that chunk of time.
3: Yeah
0: absolutely yeah I'd agree with that
1: because that's that's the fun bit that's really when I, I've got a chap now who actually you know I, I I'm I use techniques they use on it was a there was a, a very interesting art of, actually a book I was I've, I've gone through recently which is about pickup artists Pickup artists called the game oh, okay right but they apply psychology and a lot of the psychological techniques like foot in the door affirmations goldilocks you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that you would do in a sales position or in a in a motivational position, yep. into a real life position. But what it does, it takes someone who someone who comes in and goes, "Yeah, I want to get fitter," and turns that fitness goal into something they really want, something they desire. Yeah, and that's that the pickup artist is playing the same game, but with themselves. Uh-huh. Is you you want someone to come in and go, "Yeah, I'd like to be a bit fitter," to then thinking, "Hold on a minute, I could actually look like that," and. What do you mean you're taking it away from me? Hold on, don't go. Yeah. Come, come, sit. What do you mean you've only got five minutes to talk to me now, and it's going to cost me hundred quid? <laughs> yeah. You know, but actually, ironically, that's what makes them keen about it. And now what you've done is you you've got someone who was mildly motivated to now they actually want that because you're going to take it away from them. that deal that you had. You're taking it away from them.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like what you said about the creating a vision for what they actually want to look like because I've done a Tony Robbins course recently and that oh fantastic Love yeah that, man. and that started that starts exactly like that it's create a vision for what you want your life to look like and I've never actually sat there and thought even previously when I started the salad house I never actually sat and thought what do I want my life to look like I just thought I'm into health and fitness I'm into nutrition I'd like to help people with nutrition I'm going to start a and I never asked these these deeper questions. And then when, when I didn't enjoy it and it went all wrong, it then forced me to think, what do you actually want to do? Like, what do you want? And, and his course is great for that, just creating a vision of what you want your life to look like and then working working back from there, you know?
1: No, it makes total sense. Yeah. As you say, I think very often we can get caught up in the form yeah, rather than the... Yeah, I know you look at Simon Sinek and people like that and say, look, focus on why. Yeah. But actually it is... It's almost simpler than that. It's, it's saying, all right... And this, this this, is, this is the e-myth covers this, and there's a lot of books that cover this over time, yeah. is the fact that we, we're always dragged back to being a technician. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rather than saying, look, I'm a business person, or I'm an entrepreneur, or actually now when I look at the whole idea about um, methods of persuasion, a message of encouragement, and the NLP, and hypnotism, and anything it takes, is I'm actually someone who allows people to realise what they want to do. Yeah, I'm there to help you uh, initiate what you've already got inside you. Yeah, just the little bits. And I've I've seen examples of that over the last 30 years. When I talk to people, and I say the the, the the great example I've always used is the fact that I say I've got I, I had two cars. I, I had a van I drive around in every day, and I had an old Pulse Boxer
3: Yeah,
1: just nice and shiny. Used to polish it every day. Park it off the road. It, it was fun to drive. Um, there was a very when I went to park it, there was a very Different place I park the van to the Boxster. Yeah, you know the van I'd I'd kind of I'd put anywhere. Yeah, it had plastic bumpers. <laughs> I bought it second hand. Yeah. Thank you to Godfrey's uh, lawnmower Supplies. Very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they looked after us. Him and Tim and bat and ball. It's fantastic. <laughs> Seeing him today actually. Um, Another the the Porsche, however, I would. <laughs> Driving to a car park I'd be the furthest away from everybody yeah. you know I'd be right at the back I'd, be, I'd avoid bands like the, the plague yeah. because they are going to open the doors on me now that's the same with your body and how you look after yourself if you can start putting things in place that draw you away from that van mentality so that's why I say to people focus on that first six weeks start to dress better and look after yourself yeah. shave Yeah, cut your hair Cut all your hair off if it's falling out. Yeah, you know, just just get a bit of self-respect. Yeah, because otherwise you'll always be in that van culture, and when that biscuit comes along, you'll go, "I'll eat that." If you start looking after yourself, there's a much better chance you can take it all the way through. And then what you do with Tony Robbins with getting that that affirmation point, and saying, "I want to be this person," you start taking that Porsche mentality straight from the beginning and get out the van mentality.
0: Yeah, and the technician point is is massive, and that's something I realized from that. Book the e-myth, yeah. how, how big that is, is just being in technician state. I'm going to fix this. No, I don't really trust anyone else to do it. I can do it. Particularly being a freelance person, that's exactly what you are. You're the technician. You're the one who fixes stuff. You're the one who does it yourself, doesn't really trust anyone else. No. And that's massive. I because
1: you're, you're still in the step of being the technician rather than stepping back and saying, well, as you were going through now, is why am I doing this? And how do I do this? Not just for fitness or not just for sound technician or not just for doing the salad bar but how do I apply this to my entire life and how I'm, how I'm successful yeah there's um there's another bit that I realized bites a bit on the back of that which there's there's a lady wrote, wrote a book called the charisma myth right and she talks a lot about the fact that we've while we're doing this is and actually Tony Robbins had a good example of this as well is as we get more successful, we have that little voice in the back of our mind that, that sabotages us all the time. The charisma myth talks about the fact that it's constantly saying, you're not really good enough to do this. Wow, you've achieved this, but you're a bit of a fraud. Yeah. Because actually, you shouldn't, have, you, know, you shouldn't be able to do that. When, as we know, if you push yourself out of your comfort zone, a lot of the times when you, you're getting to new levels, you, it is because you tried new things. Yeah. And Tony Robbins' version of that, he, he always talked about the, um, the old fridges Right. He said, in in a fridge, he said they they used to have a a piece of metal that when it heated up it would bend and touch a button, which would turn the fridge the fridge back on, and when it when it, the metal cooled down it'd go the other way and turn the fridge off, which is how it acted as a thermostat for the fridge. He said, what you've got to remember is, we have exactly the same system running. Very often we sabotage ourselves because we're doing too well. Yeah. So there's always that innate fear of that with clients, I find. That's why it's, you have to manage it because very often this is how you get the yo-yo effect is the fact that people will improve and if you don't nurse them through that improvement period and get them to do what Tony Robbins is talking about, affirmation, 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 is the fact they'll get to that point and go, oh my goodness, how do I how do I do this? Now, I'm actually, I've lost five stone, but I'm now a totally different person. Yeah, I'm not you know, fat Lucy or I'm not the person they say, oh, diets never work for her. She must have a thyroid problem. Yeah. I'm actually, I've now got to be accountable to myself. And the even worry, a more worried thing is I've actually got to keep it off now because I'm now this person. Actually, I'll go back to being the way I was because it's easier. Yeah. So that setting their goals is not only do you have to set their goals, but also start to create that life around that so they can maintain it. So when we're talking about our eating and when we are talking about exercise, it's a whole different phase, but you you gotta get into people's mindset and help them.
0: Yeah, I think the the long term picture really helps. So I now now say to myself, I at twenty one I was pretty chubby, but and then and realised it went on a massive weight loss mission, and now in my head it's a case of I'll never be that person again. Now I am a thin person, I am an in shape person for the rest of my life, and I think just having that mindset. You don't really need. I think you do, but you almost don't need the motivation to work out because you've almost almost committed that that's what you do now. That's kind of who you are. Because I'm going to look like this for the rest of my life, sort of thing. If that makes sense.
1: How much do you, Rick? How much do you think about your effect on other people? Just from because I've I've seen you change over the years, right? Um, and and obviously from. You're a very stylish man. You look after yourself now. Crafted in the
0: Better Body Shop, by the way, people.
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's not a bedroom. Is <laughs> no. uh, it, it, You're in that situation now where... The, what do you think your effect on others? Do you do you consciously groom yourself to think, well, actually, I'll make people feel more comfortable around me?
0: I don't really, know. I do it for myself, I think, to be honest.
1: Because they, the, 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 the other thing that I've looked at in relation to this, and something that Chris and I work on very hard with our trainers... Is the fact that from a body language point of view, you have a whole, whole part of your brain which is set up subconsciously to, even before you're thinking about it, to try and trigger people into thinking whether they're comfortable with you. Right. And whether they actually want to spend time with you and they want to make that change. And just the little things that you do to match people's expectations help them down that line. Yeah. Sort of
0: adapting, adapting with the person, which is a skill.
1: Well there's a, there's a, the, if you get into the body language books most of them are dedicated at the beginning to the fact is that the majority of the, the pe- people's reaction to you is going on before they are this subconscious yeah so all the work you do in between with you know m- mirroring their stance moving things out of the way getting them comfortable matching their eye level uh, bringing the tone down to something that matches them is actually if you if you're not dressed and not it, You're dressed to their perception. If you're not what they see as tidy, um, you're almost putting them off and you're on a back foot even before they start. So there's a a lot that goes on through that process right from the beginning through to that person being comfortable at being fit and strong and being able to get there. And to be honest, we're we're still doing a lot of work along that process and it gets more exciting as we go along because we've got a lot of people coming through now and we got a lot of people getting results, but I want to make sure that they're in a situation, or Chris and I want to make sure they're in a situation where they, they actually maintain and enjoy the results and they're comfortable within that body that they, they achieve rather than being worried that they're not going to be able to maintain it or they don't know how to deal with this new them.
3: Yeah, which
0: is, which is sales really, isn't it? I remember talking to a friend, Hilsey, Chris, mm. who's very, very good at sales and always has been, and I sort of asked him what what it is he thinks that makes him, or that makes makes a good salesperson, and he sort of hit the nail on the head. Really, he said it's just about likability. You have to like the person, yeah. and that goes hand in hand with exactly what you were just talking about, really, doesn't it? By, I guess, matching their posture, matching
1: what. Well, matching matching their also matching expectations is. Yeah. If you look at your market and you say the people we look after tend to be. Professionals over the age of thirty-five, yeah, and he, they have certain expectations. So when you're matching, you you have to be on time, you have to, you know, call them in advance if you're cancelling something. You have to all the little things. Chris and I have found over time that it's the little things that make the biggest difference. Yeah, and this is what we try and get through to our youngsters because they don't they aren't in that environment yet. They haven't necessarily gone through that. They haven't got through the frustrations of you know, cold food or the frustrations of the the hotel room being booked out wrong or these guys live in a world where their expectations are that level and therefore if they're your market, you have to, you know, appreciate that and value that and then just make sure before you do anything you get the little things right so they feel comfortable in that room.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you've done that pretty well, to be fair to you, mate.
1: Well, thank you very much and thank you for spending time with me today. It's great to have a chat. Let's get (laughs) get some things off my chest. Yeah,
0: that's all right.
2: Um, yeah, this is quite
1: fun, I like this.
0: Yeah, it's good. It is good.
2: It's like therapy.
0: Yeah, well, the thing is, is Mm -hmm. once you've got a microphone in front of you and you actually just sit down undisturbed and have a chat, you go places you've never been before. Like I was saying Mm -hmm. with Stuart, me and Stuart were talking about stuff I've not spoke to him about ever, and we've been mates 20 years, so Mm. it's good shit. And
1: we read a lot of stuff as well, and we link it all together. Yeah. Um, I actually think that, the, the game stuff I was going through a lot of these guys a lot of the guys who are doing it these these pickup artists are um, they're just nerds or they've done magic tricks and stuff like that uh, and that I've got to go back to the guy I did the cold reading course with the the basics mind reading
3: right
1: because the first time through and he's he's a bit of a I remember, he's a he's obviously awkward with people he' <laughs> got this group of like there's <laughs> like a group of like eight people and some some flown into Australia for this workshop. Right. Um, and he, sh- he shouted at me, he go, no, that's shit. <laughs> you know, Ooh. a bit harsh, <laughs> I'll go with it. But, um, you know, he he, talk, he He just talks about, he, he, he goes into some of the stuff that would just make, break the ice, make people feel comfortable, but little bits that you should be paying that level of attention to people. Yeah. Because all that, that just it's just the only reason these guys can guess, you know, how old you are and how many girlfriends you've had and what colour your mum's hair is, is because they pay attention to you and listen to what you're saying. And if you kind of broaden your mind a bit and you go into a bit of these, I think I, d- I definitely think that's a that's that's a good route to go down because you automatically get people comfortable. And it to be interested to see how you can put that onto the internet. So when people come in, is it's all this stuff about you, the, your affirmation stuff. Is um, I'm just trying to think who who was talking a lot about this. I can't remember where I got it from now, but recently there's been, there's, there might be the charisma myth again. They, they're talking about, oh no, it's, um, it's one of the persuasion books. They're talking about actually, you right from when they walk in the door, you should be building their mindset. So whether you want the mindset to change, or whether you want a mindset to make them feel younger, or you're almost putting things in place that are firing their brain off all the time. Yeah. You know, situations of happy people, young people with older people. You know the the situation of a, you know, a a really old tree, you know, growing to so kind of, so looking up into the kind of California pines, as in, or or a fact of even something that reminds them of their youth. Yeah. But the, this is so when you walk into someone, if you're going for a tarot reading or something, they have all this shit up, but they adapt it for everyone that comes in. So your brain's already thinking about, it and they just start to feed off it. Absolutely fascinating.
2: Yeah.
3: Good
1: shit.
0: Right, I'll let you have Chris, I'll go time. Jump
2: in the hot seat, big man. Hiya. Hi, mate. Yeah, good. <coughs> how are you?
0: Yeah, great. How was that? it was alright. You 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 missed the best of that then. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, it was good. He was talking about um well it went from sale into sales really, but about how he likes to be able to or he left the original place because if he's sending clients to physios that he doesn't know and Right. That well, he'd, he'd rather he'd rather send send someone to, you know, somebody that he knows a bit better, which is I think why he was saying that he sort of started the.
2: Sounds fascinating. <laughs> 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 I've I'm just I'm fucking. I've absolutely, me I've absolutely <laughs> murdered that explanation.
0: To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> we will have to listen to it.
3: Oh, I, oh,
0: I, <laughs> I probably won't actually. No. <laughs>
3: Said no one ever. <laughs> How, f- how close do i need to be
0: to this not so exactly like i am
2: yeah and then towards you a little bit yeah that's <laughs> good <laughs> have you seen have you seen that Talladega nights yeah, yeah. i watched that recently in fact <laughs> he's like yeah i'm checking one too. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: are you doing with <laughs> your hands <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bobby. Uh,
2: good the best um sorry this is just swinging around just
0: Tightening
2: up on the... This one? Yeah. On the oh, right.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Right. That needs to face right at you, so you're talking down the... All end. right.
2: What do you want, want to talk want about? To stop turning
0: <laughs> sideways, there. That's all right, is it? Yeah, that's good. Good. Yeah, that's perfect. We'll cut all this out. Yeah. Um, so, the gym and your involvement is where I want to start. Okay. I can't even remember... Meeting you and how long I've known you.
2: I can remember the exact day we met. Can you really? I, I was Funnily enough, I was thinking about this yesterday. We met, it was a Saturday. This is not like creepy, I know. This, but <laughs> it was a Saturday you and just I asleep. first started working in Sainsbury's. Oh. And we met on the Frozen Isle. Because I got, do you, remember, you used to work with Stu on the Frozen Isle. Yeah. And then I I got like put into... I, I went to work there my first day, yeah. and just by chance I got put into the exact same role that Stu used to do, Right, and you were just there packing some peas out. <laughs> do you remember we used to go and like hide in the freezer and eat magnums,
0: Eat ice creams, yeah, I do remember that well. It was a terrible department, frozen foods. So you can't have been there for that long, was you?
2: Um, I think about a year. Okay, yeah. But I, I used to call in sick most weekends. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Like, which which used to horrify my dad, I remember. So my dad's done... He worked for... I mean, he still works now, but he worked for, like, 35 years without having a day off. Really? Yeah. And there's He his got seat. sent home from work one day because he was so sick and he was making everyone else sick, but he hasn't had a day off for 35 years. Really? Which is mental, right? And so if I had a day off, he would, like, be... No, like, he wouldn't be... Um, he wouldn't say anything but I knew he was like pretty
0: disgusted at it.
2: Yeah. But I think that's just like a generation thing, isn't it? I th- I bet there's lots of people of his generation that can say the same thing.
0: Yeah, probably. But then again, when it's at Sainsbury's, it's a little bit different, right? Mind you, yeah. was he he wasn't always What did he do before the forces? Not the forces he was a mechanic, but for What oh, was he?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then and then, and he did some sort of like milk delivery when he was a kid did he yeah
0: some sort of milk delivery you mean a milkman
2: no 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 like he would deliver milk vans to the milkman oh right okay cool yeah it's a big industry yeah in south Wales. (laughs) um
0: how old was you then at Sainsbury's
2: um I must have been 16 yeah 15 I don't know when when, uh, when can you start working there
0: yeah from 16 I guess yeah
2: yeah. But it was but but obviously because we were at school we could only work on a Saturday. Yeah. And so we were just out getting pissed on a Friday. Yeah. And then
0: I did some and, did and some. if
2: you look back on it, the, the the sort of money relative to time was I mean, I think it was like four pounds something an hour at the time, wasn't it? It was, yeah, something like that. Four, like four pounds fifteen or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was Which is exactly mental. That. that must have been minimum wage.
0: Yes, maybe just above.
2: Yeah. So, what did you? What was the question? I've forgotten. Uh,
0: originally, it
2: was. How did I get involved? Oh, and then you said, "How did we first meet?"
0: Yeah, I was. I'm taking it taking it way back. Then after oh, okay. that, so after Sainsbury's, what happens then?
2: After Sainsbury's, um, I had a few odd like, odd jobs here and there. I've always worked, always since I could ever work. The first thing I ever did was a paper, paper round. Um, no, we say that though, like a lot of people shy away from not not shy away from it everyone works but not everyone enjoys working uh-huh. is what i mean yeah. whereas i do well, um, even
0: if it's sainsbury's
2: yeah n- well I, yeah yeah you've got me there <laughs> i think what i mean is if if it's something that you are like i don't ever remember not enjoying a job really i mean yeah interesting yeah. but I haven't I, I haven't had i've all, i've usually stayed in jobs, quite a lot. Sainsbury's was a bit of a like, like rite of passage, I think, around here anyway. Yeah, like everyone well, it was a worked bit of a social scene. Yeah, everyone worked at Sainsbury's. So, in that respect, I kind of did enjoy it. Um, but then from there, I think I, I must have gone to uni not long after that, I guess. I oh, know I went I went travelling f- f- for six months. Did you? Yeah. I don't remember that. I went with George, actually. Did you? Yeah. George and Long One. <laughs> where did you go? We went to Australia. Thailand, New Zealand, Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah. Random. But in all honesty, and I would recommend anyone who is thinking about doing, like going to spend some, I mean, a a lot of people probably mature quicker than I did. But I was so, we were 19 and we were just not, I think it was a bit lost on us.
0: Do you reckon? Yeah. I I think uh, that's kind of the...
2: Yeah, 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 I know, yeah, I know. That's kind of the point. But it is but we were so I just didn't appreciate the rest of the world as I I did appreciate it, but not as much as I think I would now. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I guess everyone says that because now you've got responsibilities, but but back then we just wanted to get pissed. Yeah, that's what right I'm like,
0: saying. You've wasted on the young though, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just like proper turbo lads. <laughs> just just like even I mean we <laughs> when we got out there, I don't know what I was thinking, but when I when we left here I was wearing I can remember what I was wearing, some Reebok Classics, yeah. brand new Reebok Classics, <laughs> these like Nike shorts yeah. with like big um embraided Nike written on the back, like massive, like across the both arse cheeks. Yeah. And then an England football top. <laughs> 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 uh, it's
0: basically in between us yeah I mean that. Well,
2: that is that is where that is what Damon put on the film that is why they're wearing that, oh, really? that exact story yeah. yeah so there was a story that he was trying to actually get in the film which is, this is a story I told um, as George's best man at his wedding okay and this is the honest truth so we, we went to we didn't prepare this at all so we just booked a flight out to Australia to Sydney for New Year's Eve right um, 2006, I think it was. Didn't book any hotel, right? So we've got off, we've got off the plane, the three of us, um, dressed like this. I had a like, bright blue, like royal blue night cap as well. I wore a cap every day in those days, <laughs> loved it. And um got off the plane, and we were like, said to, um, you know, there's like a concierge desk at the airport, and we're like, we need to book a hotel, and they just laughed in our face. They're like, it's New Year, it, it, this was the 29th, yeah of December and they just laughed at us they were like you've got zero chance of getting a hotel in Sydney <laughs> because it's the most it's the busiest time of year in Sydney for new right. year's eve is like just p- absolutely packed so we we were, we got a bit of a panic on and we must have spent 2 hours in that airport ringing hotels <laughs> and back then you didn't have like the um smartphones that we've got now. So yeah, like we Googling had like a 3210. Yeah. So I, I think we were bringing up like their equivalent of 118, 118, right. and searching for hotels. Spent about two hours and nearly all of the, like, the credit that we'd had on our pay-as-you-go phones. And we found this hostel, which was about 20 miles out of Sydney. <laughs> right. So first night in Australia. And um we got there and it was a shithole. Absolute shithole. Cockroaches everywhere. Um, like pissy mattresses. And so the three of us shared this like double bed. Do pissy. you remember
0: your mindset at that time? Was you like, fucking hell, what have we done? Or did you laugh it off, shrug it off?
2: I think a bit of both. Yeah. Like, I I remember thinking, <laughs> called this wrong. <laughs> 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 and and I also remember thinking before we went, I was like. Australia board shorts like hot weather, loads of weapons, um, like never rains, never gets cold. Yeah. And the first night we got there was raining, and and pretty cold. And <laughs> we didn't have I didn't have a jumper, right. with, at all. Didn't take a jumper. Um, and then I remember thinking, That's it, Gary, I, I remember thinking, "My dad should have told me about this." I do remember thinking that it must be their fault because I was so immature that. And, and sort of carefree, like entirely care and worry-free, Yeah. Um, that I was just like, nah, that'd be all right. And everything usually is, and I kind of still am that way now. Yeah. Um, but then when I got there, we were like, fuck, we, this is, we've, we've been done here. So first night, cockroaches everywhere, like crawling on, it was a proper dive. I think it was like a dollar, to stay right. there <laughs> um, and even with inflation, that's still probably two dollars now, okay yeah. um, so it was it was proper cheap shit hole. The next day we woke up sunny and like reinvigorated, and we were up for it perfect right. um, and long story short, we ended up um, just mincing around the Sydney for for a couple of days, were considering sleeping just like homeless for, for one night, part yeah. of the adventure, and then we met someone who um, like put us up in, in a room. In Manly, Manly Beach, which is just off of Sydney, and it was cool. It was wicked, and then we started enjoying it. But then we booked to go to this um, this bar, the only bar we could get tickets for for New Year's Eve. Right. And essentially, everyone in Sydney goes down to the harbour for for the fireworks, and then they stay there for for um, the evening. And then you go to a bar or a club and like party until early hours. Yeah. So being like proper classic Brits we got up at like midday and we were like straight to the harbor start drinking <laughs> right so we've gone down there we've got our tickets with us um, and there's like no one there right so we've set up shop <laughs> and um, and like we had prime prime position and started heavy boozing and they, they have like boxes of wine right. like they called goon and we've just like we're nailing booze like recklessly drinking wine yeah wine gets to about 6 p.m. I've gipped. Um, George is just completely like out cold. Long one being long ones just fine. Like he's not even had a drink. <laughs> and then it starts getting busy, and we start enjoying it again. Second wind, but we're still wearing. I'm wearing a Nike vest, right? <laughs> a blue, blue and white Nike vest with my blue Nike cap, my Nike shorts, and my Reebok classics. Yeah. Long one's got his England top on, which at the time was possibly two years out of date. Right. Um, and George was wearing some like bastard three quarter length trackies. <laughs> I remember that. Um, yeah, and a cap. But also he had this like <laughs> he had this tank top on, black tank top with barbed wire down it, <laughs> like just like the, like a graphic of What's barbed wire. Was it? It could it could have been. And <laughs> um, and at that point we were looking around like, like everyone started coming out drip, but dressed smart. Yeah. Right, because it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're boozing hard still and it gets to midnight like fireworks amazing fireworks like a moment I won't, won't forget even though I was hammered um, and we looked around and George <laughs> there'd been this like <laughs> there was like a 70 year old and she gets older every time I tell this story an <laughs> um, aborigine woman who kept just skulking about And to this day I think she was homeless and me and Long One were looking for George about 15 minutes in and we saw him come out of a of a a portaloo with her. Right. And he came back over and was really chuffed. And he was like, oh, that's number one. <laughs> and so he just nailed an ABBO a homeless <laughs> ABO in a portaloo <laughs> for New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'm she he, wasn't really seventy, right? <laughs> I mean, no. But she was a hundred percent over uh, and she was late fifties. Oh, fucking hell. But like she, looked, she was weathered. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. but, She'd seen some sunshine.
2: Yeah, mate, yeah. A few too many sunrises. But he was chuffed with it anyway. <laughs> um, but then we carry on. Gets to midnight. Well, gets to about <coughs> half, half 12, one o'clock. Everyone starts going to the clubs. And we are a state. And I've got a, a drawstring bag with me. You know, like the old yeah, yeah, like the drawstrings. yeah. yeah. Um, over with our outfits, queuing up to get in this club. We got to the door and the doorman was like, You're not fucking coming in. Yeah. And we were like, Why not, man? He's like, Look at the state of you. (laughs) He's like, It's fucking New Year's Eve. You're not coming in. It wasn't because we were too drunk, it was what we were wearing. Yeah. And he was like, Go and get changed and come back. Now, we're, Manly was like 15 miles away, or certainly felt that way. Um, And so, directly opposite this club, there was a like Asian 24 hour like mini mart Right, right, and so we went, we went in there, and this is the bit I told Damon about. We went in there, and um, got new outfits, and then I can just imagine it now us like bowling out of there. Like I had like a Hawaiian flowery shirt on, <laughs> and these like these really she rascal like loose, um, like khaki, uh, <laughs> like weird material like pants on, which were full length but like didn't fit at all. Um, and then the others were looking similar and we bowled back up and we thought we were the bollocks and we were laughing. And to be fair to them, they laughed, let us in. And then we went, we went about our night. But I can't remember where I was going with that, but it was just funny. Like it's funny how I guess we were just, when I'm saying it was like wasted on us, is we just, we just didn't, um, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And we felt like everyone else did. Yeah, when we were out there, right. like even the people who are okay. our age. Yeah, I think it's just because we w- probably grew up in a bit of a bubble around here. Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, my parents didn't travel loads, and I, me and Stu didn't leave the country till we were uh, certainly, certainly he was a teen, I would say. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so we we didn't go on holidays as kids, yeah. and so when we went over there, we were just like, well, when a lot know. of people go travelling, they're kind of.
0: Backpacking, right, and they probably look into it a hell of a lot more. Yeah, do yeah. the research on shit they want to see. Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely.
0: But you lot were like let's just go Australia. Yeah, start there.
2: Yeah, it was mad. Like, and I think because we didn't care, and we thought we were proper lads. Yeah. Um, I guess it. I guess in a way, it wasn't wasted because we had so much fun. Like, yeah,
0: absolutely. Exciting. And you got stories like that to tell.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Did you work? Um, Did you have enough money to get you through yeah, six months? We worked we worked for two days right. in New Zealand for a can't for some pie at a carnival. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and basically at the time, it was just George and I worked. Long one didn't get a job till he was like twenty five. Right. So he never worked. Um George and I worked. I was on the um like Merry-Go round and George was on some like um, candy floss station and where we were struggling for money we were like we we hatched this plan we were like right we charge them double and then we can pocket the net gains uh-huh. from the double Yeah. so we did it and <coughs> like in hindsight they were they were pike they were tra- like travellers yeah on, who worked on a carnival wrong. like it was the worst idea ever <laughs> we were To were and rip them off anyway so we had ripped them off and then we were in this um only smalls, like, we weren't, like, stealing any money. We were just entrepreneurially, well, cu- uh, like, charging. Or, really, yeah. yeah, the customer got ripped out. Um So then we, they offered to give us a lift to the next town, like, when they moved on. Right. Um, and we were like, yeah, sure. But then we're in the back of these, like, w- like six-seaters, and it starts feeling, like, really suspect. And um, they pass back this pipe right. with, like, some sort of like oil black oil in it. Okay. And at the time we didn't we didn't know what it was. And we were like, yeah, for sure. So we both we all had a go on this pipe. Um and I think I think it was actually some kind of like cannabis resin or something. You know, like oily I d I don't know. We were nineteen, we didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So we had a go on it and then we all had a proper (laughs) (laughs) turn. Like I, I, I remember looking at George and he was like sheet white. Oh fuck. Um and I was like shaking, all edgy. So we actually got we, we were all properly paranoid. Um, and then to make matters worse, they've pulled over into like a lay-by and just stopped. We're on a motorway. So is pulled, this New Zealand or this is New Zealand, New, Zealand, New Zealand, right. Pulled over to Hard Shoulder and then we were like, We're getting we're gonna get off here and like Barry, <laughs> they know, they're onto us. They know what's <laughs> happening. We're whispering about in the back and they occasionally keep looking back. Um and the way I see it now, they were looking menacing and like and they were going to bury us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they pulled over, got out of the truck and they all started chatting amongst themselves and we were saying, we've got to do a runner. But our bags were in the boot of this car so we couldn't we couldn't do a runner. But we were considering leaving the bags and just... Pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, passports, yeah? everything. We were thinking, it was the side of a motorway. Right. Yeah. And we were thinking, we've got to do a runner. So they've, they've then started getting deck chatters out and Sitting down, okay, and then one of them's invited us out, and then we just had a break on the motorway, just <laughs> on some deck chairs on the whole shoulder. And and it turns out that's just what they do like, they just just stop, stop and have a little now and then have a little pipe and then
0: little sit down, yeah.
2: <laughs> but that in
0: itself is life
2: experience, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: like you're petrified, you really feel like you've fucked up, yeah. Well, I thought I was gonna die, yeah, yeah. that's pretty, pretty <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pretty scary. I'm just going to have to use the um, bathroom. Right, mate. That's all right. Yeah, I've you go. The weakest bladder ever. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Your weak bladder conversation.
2: Where was we? What was I saying? Uh, some sort of travelling-based chat. But then. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, so what was the question? It was about, yeah, what was I doing? So we, we came back from travelling, and then that was, not shortly after that, went to uni... Long one go to the same uni. Yeah, we both did, but long one we both went to Sheffield. Again, this is like just a perfect example of how. And I still think this today. Like I feel like we grew up. We grew up, or are still growing up now, but a lot later than everyone else, because I, uh, yeah. So here's a classic example. When it came to choosing my uni, my brother had decided to go to Sheffield. He never ended up going. I think he had a girlfriend at the time. Do you remember? Um, oh, what was her name? Kate. Kate. Yeah. Right. And so he never went. Um, and and, in hindsight, I think that was probably a good choice for him anyway. Um, because I don't see him as a student. Um, I don't know. Do you know? Uh, maybe. Possibly. Yeah. Um, but he was going to go to Sheffield when it came to choosing a uni. A uni I was like, I'll just go to Sheffield. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where my brother was going to go. Right. I didn't even like look into it. I didn't go up there. I'd oh, never really? been north of Hemel Hempstead. So I thought you... I knew they did a good... I knew they did a good um, sport science degree there. Um, and... I, at the time, like I liked sport. So I was like, that seems like a good thing to do. Yeah. And I don't think it's till, until you... I mean, even when I was there, I thought, yes, yeah, it seems good. It's good fun. It's not until you're getting towards the end of that, you're like, oh shit, there's no such... There's no sport science career. There is no job in sports science. Right. You know, and, and at that time I wasn't really very mindful about what you need to actually do as an adult. Like, yeah. I just thought, I like sport, Sheffield, my brother was gonna go there. It seems like a good place. I hear good reviews. I've heard it's cheap to booze. Yeah. So why would not I go there? <laughs> and Long one, um, who's my best mate, he was like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds good <laughs> Let's do that. So he, picked this, he did a sports degree as well, and we both went there. And we both actually so this went... this
0: is like 20-odd, you start? Or nine, 19. 19, yeah. Right.
2: As soon as we came back from travelling, I think. Right. Well, after that summer. So, no, no. Yeah, 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 sorry, 19, like late, 19, 20. Yeah. Um, and so we both went up there, and then, like, it wasn't... Uh, the first time I'd ever been north was the day I'd, my parents drove me up to uni. Really? Yeah. <laughs> ever I'd never been north of London right um, but I loved it it was so good yeah I I'm, I, I like meeting new people <coughs> whereas he doesn't long one so yeah, much um, so um, he's quite, you know he's very happy with just his group of mates whereas I love like I, I would give anyone the time of day and like, I love learning about new people so yeah um, like that sort of setting where you're just dro- we, we didn't stay in the same sort of flat or anything when you're just dropped into a setting like that like I, like I quite, I quite enjoy that sort of thing, um. So I loved it up there. He he stayed for about a year and a half, and then then left. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, I don't remember long one when we used to come up and see you. I don't remember him staying there. No. So we must have started coming up and seeing you in your second year. Yeah,
2: second, second and third year, I think. Right. But it was good. It, that's a, that's an amazing experience, uni. I think a lot what a lot of people do is go u, go to uni and then they go and do their travelling thing afterwards. Right. Yeah. something changed for me when I was
0: that makes sense actually
2: when I had to and this is this is where everything changed when I had to manage my own money
3: yeah
2: then I started realising how difficult it is to to um, like budget and to earn
0: to be an adult
2: and to be an adult yeah Yeah. and that's when I started thinking I've got to i've got to earn some money, um, and because money gives you freedom, not necessarily makes you happier, but it certainly does it certainly puts you on the right track yeah absolutely. and when when you're when you're there managing the pennies, um it becomes more difficult and then I started getting a real appreciation from my parents right and just how much they'd done for me, which really was, yeah, I mean it was I think when you're a teenager. You don't appreciate them, or well, i, 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 I certainly didn't. Little fucker. Um, yeah. I certainly um, was. And I just—I felt—I remember just feeling like really ashamed that I didn't like respect them or value them enough because, like, you literally—I mean, everyone who, it, there's two—you win two lotteries, you were—you're involved in two lotteries. Everyone is in life, um, one of which is the parents you get, yeah, um, and the other is where you're born, your mm-hmm. postcode. Um, and until I'd left the bubble that is Kent, yeah. I didn't realise that I'd won both of those.
3: Yeah,
0: massively. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that still feels quite early before to realise that at like twenty.
2: Well, the, I'm I'm coming on sort of twenty two here. I think right. this is the end Once of uni. Once you're really yeah. in the thick of uni. Yeah. 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 When, when I'm skinned and far away from home. Yeah. Um.
0: When it's a case of you're actually eating
2: super noodles to survive. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, my parents, like, my dad, and I'm sure Stu spoke to you about this, my mum and dad, I, we grew up, and I, we, I never, ever considered us to be poor yeah. or want for anything. Yeah, We never, ever wanted for anything. We weren't spoiled by any means. I'm, mean, You know, like I mentioned, about not going on holidays and things, but I didn't think that was abnormal. Yeah. Um and they did an excellent job of shielding us from that material greed that a lot of people do. So I didn't realise that you could even like borrow money. Right. Until I was till I was older than I should have been. Yeah. Like I thought you earned your money and then if you ran out you were broke. Yeah. I didn't I re- I didn't know that you could get in debt. Didn't realise borrowing yeah. was even a thing. And that is because <coughs> of my dad. Yeah. And so and I remember Dad used to, like, weekly sit at his, like, bureau in our living room and go through all of his receipts for everything. Right. Um, and to make sure all the money matched up. Yeah. To make sure that they weren't over overstretching with their finances. Um, and I just... And then when I found out that people were largely in debt, I just couldn't believe it. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you could lease a car or put a car on finance. Yeah. No, my dad never did that. He never borrowed money, ever. Yeah. He had his mortgage, and that was it. Right. So no overdrafts, no credit cards, no nothing. And I to this day, I still have never had a credit card. Oh, really? That's good. Never. Ever. Um, it doesn't mean I'm by any means as good with money as my dad. I mean, I, in in fact, I've probably been miles worse. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a lesson I think more people should take. Like he, and he's unbelievable. Um. So yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until. Sort of those sort of mid twenties that I started, th- or early twenties that I started thinking. Perhaps, this wasn't the right choice of career.
0: Because you couldn't see a job in it. I just
2: think I just thought was, you
0: was into it. Was you into it? I was
2: I was very much into it, but at that time I was too um, short sighted to think that you know I would see the people who I would see making money were the people who had office jobs or worked in the city. Yeah. Um, And the people, and I didn't appreciate the value of doing something you love. Yeah. um, Because I didn't know at that time. Yeah. Um, So when I left uni, I I actually initially went to, I had some interviews with some, I actually worked in the city for two weeks. Did you? Yeah, at a broker's, yeah. When you got back? When I got back from uni, yeah. And I hated it. Really? Yeah, I hated it so much. I hated getting up early, Hated being on a train. I remember one morning on a train, and I just thought, I'm looking around. Everyone's in silence, and everyone just grey. Yeah, like the outside is grey anyway. People are wearing grey suits with their grey, like ashen faces. Um, and no one has any interest in talking to you, and rightly so because everyone's just got up and they're on their way to the office. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, I just cannot do this. And I went into the work that day and quit really yeah I didn't even work that day I just went in I got there and I was like this isn't for me
0: fair play though because I'd I've, I'd have probably just stuck it out because I probably didn't have the, the front to just say fuck this I'm walking away from this yeah and I think I did that with the sound engineering because it wasn't the yeah. best like for me it didn't work socially and I've always been so social particularly even more so back then. Yeah. Even with loads of family dues, but I just sort of stuck it out. I was just like...
2: Job security, right? Yeah, sunny. I don't
0: know what it was, yeah. But then later on, I learned that actually freedom's a big part of what yeah. I need. And I was like, right, I'm going freelance. Fuck yeah. this, I'm
2: out of here. We wouldn't have been happy, right?
0: No, not at all.
2: Well, I wasn't, and that's probably well, why yeah. I left. Yeah. And now now you look back on stuff like that, and it's exactly the right choice to have made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I then went and worked at a gym, at David Lloyd actually, David Lloyd in Kingshill. Yeah, I think I, I remember that. I went and worked there. Um, I actually was, I went to work there in sales to start with, which was actually a, a really good job. Right, I'd learnt a lot. Yeah, um, A lot about sales. And but at that time I got I, I, we were going up to see my grandparents in Wales. I got a phone call in the car, and it was a producer from ITV who had said uh, so a year before when i was at uni i'd applied to go on the game show beat the star right and i didn't i heard nothing back from it so this was nearly exactly a year later they rang back and said we're looking for contestants again do you want did you want to reapply um and so i said yeah of course i'm up for it so they said well we can use the same application as last year so you don't need to do anything cool about a week later i got a um a phone call Asking if I wanted to go and um, go to the auditions, which I, I was super excited about, and I went there, and every, there was like f- maybe a hundred people in the room, and then we had to do all these different like crazy challenges. So me and
0: you are dabbling in Thai boxing at this time, aren't we? I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, with um, what was his name in Swanley? Oh, uh, Steve. Steve Semtex. Yeah, Semtex, which is not there anymore actually, but. No. Um, and then, yeah, that was the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I went to that audition, and then I thought nothing of it. I was like, there's no chance I've gotten that. And then they rang me up. What maybe was the
0: audition? What, what happens in an audition?
2: It was, like, 100 people in a room, and they asked us to do, like, you have to get up and introduce yourself and like, say everybody. something about yourself, yeah. Um, but in little groups, I think, actually. You know, okay. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, And then and then we did like a, we actually did like a ski sit against the wall and everyone, and it was whoever lasted for the longest. Really? Yeah. Because 100 people did a ski sit against the wall. And I got down, I remember I got down to the last two. right? And it was me against this um, massive unit of a bloke, and he wasn't even shaking and, uh, and I buckled. Right. And and in my head I was like, well, that's, that's me. I can't win it. He's going to be the one who goes on it. But that that in, in, that's obviously not what they're looking for. Yeah. Um. They want it to be competitive, not just someone wipes the floor with a celebrity. Yeah. Um. Um. And then they ran me back after that. I I reckon maybe a month after, and I had to go for an interview with the bosses of the show. Um. And then yeah, and then they asked me to go on it. I was so happy when they <laughs> ran and asked me to go on it. Yeah, I was
0: going to ask if you was nervous. or so happy. I was so happy. Really?
2: And and there was never a, even a remote doubt in my mind that I wouldn't win it. Really? Yeah. And and on the day I went up, there with Stu, actually. We drove up there. We got I got picked up from the house, and I'm 22, right? And you I don't know who you're up excited. against at this point. Don't time, know who you're up against, but you're at winning. All. In your head, you're winning. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. And um, got picked up in the car. And the guy was like, Are "You nervous?" And at, at this point in the series, no one had won it. Okay. Um, and so, for some reason, in my head, I was like, "They'll put me against some shit because because they haven't had a winner for, as a contestant." Yeah. Um, maybe I was overthinking that, but I just thought I just thought I'd win it, and then and then I waited around all day in this hotel, and then it's time to go then they put you in this <laughs> the gayest outfit you'll ever see have Do you they given you
0: a heads up of the the, the games t- you're going to be doing no. right no
2: no the only one they showed me was a um this like go-kart thing i don't know if you remember it was like a go-kart track not go-kart um quad quad bike oh okay yeah and um i had to, they had to show you that because of the um safety aspects okay. and how to use it right um, but I didn't get a go on it, they just showed me what it was. And then and then they call you up and then all of you're like your friends and family are in the audience. Were you there? Yeah I was there. Yeah, yeah, you were there. Yeah. Um <coughs> and when I walked out, that was the first time that I look like, I was I knew exactly as much as the audience. Oh right, okay. And then so when they brought him on, which was Jack Osborne, I was I was thinking, yes, he shit. Yeah. <laughs> um but he wasn't shit. No, he wasn't. He wasn't shit.
0: Well, he was in a phase where he'd lost loads of weight, and he yeah, was into doing an adrenaline junkie. Of, yeah, yeah, okay,
2: yeah. And, but equally, he wasn't that good. No, no. And then, yeah, did that. That was like an absolute, like a massive turning point in my life because I won fifty thousand pounds in cash. Oh, well, did you?
0: Yeah, I thought it was thirty. 50000 50 grand shit. in cash. Am I right? You don't get taxed on that. Uh,
2: you no, you don't. It's a, it's a pro, Essentially, it's a it's a bet. So, um, right. you have to. It's like gambling winnings? Yeah. In the paperwork. So, you they don't tax you on gambling winnings, but anyway. You, you make a bet of one penny to take part in the show. Ah, okay. And then they. Um, yeah. And then, then you win that as the prize for the bet. Shit. I can still
0: to this day remember Stuart's face when you won. Yeah. And him literally just jumping up and fucking literally out of his mind, excited. Yeah. That was wicked.
2: What yeah, was the last... It was the last thing and the thing that quest got, a Q&A got me to a win out, it. No, it was, it was hammering nails into a bit of wood. Did you do that? Yeah, that was the last... That was the thing I won. So he went first.
3: Yeah.
2: And you had to hammer as many nails into a bit of wood as you could in a minute. Yeah. And he, I mean, the kids never picked up a hammer in his life. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the first time he's held a hammer. <laughs> because he's like but like <laughs> just swinging like wild not even hitting like not even hitting the wood just yeah. swinging to pick it up a was, hammer? well yeah it was like a cartoon character swinging a hammer <laughs> and so as soon as that happened and I'd been doing some roofing yeah. um, with some mates in my holiday breaks at, from uni so I I was I was all right at doing stuff like that nice um and I think he hit four nails in and I at 24. <laughs> so obviously, after in the minute, as soon as I'd hit in like four or five, I knew I'd won. Yeah, and then I was just super excited. After yeah, I
0: bet he was. Yeah, I remember there was there was a bit of a Q and A.
2: Yeah, there was some. of was a maths of, test. A maths test. Yeah. Yeah, there was a one one on one football. Football.
0: That was it. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: Can't remember the rest. Because do you remember they come to um, Semtex to film a little a little skit on you, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, Still yeah. remember that to this day. And they used Prodigy, The Omen, for your little yeah. intro. Yeah. All right, my name's Chris Water. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah.
3: Brilliant.
2: It was so it was so cheesy, but that's what people want to see. I think. Oh,
0: Absolutely, yeah.
2: But watching watching yourself back on something like that was, oh, it was revolting. Really? I don't, it's like no one likes to sound their own voice. Yeah. Um. But watching yourself and i mean it's horrible i think like i don't know i think i came i think i sound chavier in real life than i actually think in my head <laughs> yeah makes, yeah i was like yeah i'm right yeah i love i love all that let's go i'm gonna smash him up um or maybe that's just changed i don't know
0: i think it might have changed i think you've probably got a little bit better on camera i, I think if
2: you look back at that though i was
0: have you still got it recorded something yeah
2: yeah, it's in a, d- it's a. My dad has it on DVD. I've never watched it. Have you not? I watched the first five minutes.
0: And what turned it off? Or? Yeah, I couldn't watch really? it. Really?
2: Yeah, <laughs> couldn't I watch it. Would
0: be intrigued to see the
2: win. No. So how long did it take to, for them to send you the money? Yeah, oh, ages. Did it? Yeah, it was like. Well, it felt like ages. I think it was about a month. I'd already spent myself. How of old were you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I was. How old were you? 23. No. but then I don't know if you remember but then we went to Vegas before I got the money just before we went to Vegas for Barnsley's for that stag dude for um, Barnsley oh
0: really I thought this was I thought that was way later
2: no it was just before that that I received the money oh shit and then we went to Vegas
0: ah that's right because you had a new
2: watch yeah I bought a new watch yeah
0: that you lost for about yeah. 10 minutes in the hotel yeah room. which was panic stations yeah <laughs> yeah Shit. i
2: mean giving a twenty giving a twenty three 2 twenty three year old fifty grand that they haven't had to graft for yeah i mean it I didn't get given it you know still you still had to win yeah but it wasn't like it wasn't you didn't graft that's the money that you, I, I can understand bit, why you see lottery winners occasionally just frivolously waste all of it yeah um, because you haven't had to put in the blood, sweat, and tears that people do for you haven't got that attachment yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but luckily, at that time, around that time, I started working with Jay. Right. Um, I knew I wanted to work for myself, and I knew I wanted to start a business. Um, and but in, I wasn't in health and fitness or yeah, 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 yeah. I always wanted a gym, right. always oh, from really? when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, always. I did not know. Um, And. And if you'd have asked me when I was a teenager, early teens, what what you want is when you are older, I would have said a gym, right. definitely. And so I knew I wanted to do that. And having gone into sit, the city and tried that, I was like, it's just not worth spending the rest of my life doing something I hate. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that people who do that are wasting their time, because some people really enjoy it. I know people that really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and like the buzz and like the sh- the stress that that comes along with um, that amount of money yeah. is quite often a rush that people are addicted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I knew that you could make money in other industries because I'd seen it. And I knew that you could make money in this industry and it felt right for me. But I wasn't, bro- I don't know about brave enough, I wasn't experienced enough to try and do it on my own. Yeah. And. I was getting business advice from a family friend and he said, why don't you see if there's anyone else in the area who's doing it who might want to do it with you. And then that's when I that's when I went to meet Jay. I, I was driving to work and I saw the gym. At David Lloyd. I was driving to David Lloyd, yeah. And then I drove past the Better Body Shop at the time it was called, Yeah, at Godfrey's, three or four days in a, in a row. And then I thought, I'm just going to go in there and then I pulled over and then went in and this was the start of our beautiful f- friendship. I walked in <laughs> and Jay was, Jay was in the office and there was a girl there it's with your him partnership. and said, yeah, it's so weird, but it does work. And the girl said, oh yeah, go and, like, go and walk, he's in there. And I walked in and Jay had, he'd love to hear this story, he had a massive red, like plastic bucket, <laughs> that he eats out of until about until about six months ago, he still ate out of this bucket. <laughs> right? So it's durable. But it was an actual bucket. Yeah. And he used to fill it up with like a kilo of rice. Yeah. And then like four tins of tuna. And then like, like put some sort of moody sauce on it and then just mix it up and then just spoon it in. So I walked <laughs> into the office and it's stung of tuna. Right. And he's just sat there with this massive bowl and he's like, yeah, sit down. And then he just was just eating all of this stuff while he was chatting to me, and I was thinking, <laughs> he's an interesting guy, yeah. um, but I don't he, but he's so likable, yeah, that like, he really is like, and um, and I did, and I, I really thought, I really warmed to him, yeah, because he is such a nice, he he genuinely is such a nice bloke, like he really is, and to this day he still is, um, like yeah, he's just. I don't know, and I thought I could definitely learn a lot, and he has taught me a lot. Um, and and it, it, I wasn't actually thinking all right, this this is a good partnership at that time because I just met him. But then I, I actually just wanted to learn learn some bits, learn the ropes. And Did you ask him for a job? Yeah, right. I said. I, I, I said. I don't even think we had that conversation. I think just we just sure knew that, that, that it was going to work. Like it was going to work there, and and I really wanted to work there. I loved what he'd done with it. It was like, and and. I think it's easy to forget now where we are. Like that, someone at some point had to have the bollocks to start it. Yeah, and I wasn't that person. Yeah, um, so it, it was him. Yeah, and he did. He had the front. He started it from scratch. Yeah, which which I haven't done. Um, you know, I've never started a business from nothing, which he did, and that is um, something that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, um, which. I don't know if he always gets because people come in and just see this much this much bigger company. Yeah. Um, but we had to start somewhere, and and he did it, and then, so I, I I went and worked there as a PT, and at the time I think we were doing, God, I don't know, maybe like ten sessions a day, right? Between us, and oh, really. Or, or there would have been times when it was more or less than that. Did he have any other um, PTs
0: there when you started?
2: One other, no, no, two others. And maybe, maybe like when it was really good, it was like thirty a day, maybe. Okay. But then, quiet periods throughout that. Um, but but I remember like a few years in, we we hit fifty sessions in a day, and I remember we were all really chuffed, you know, because essentially it's an office. That yeah. we'd put some mold kit in. Yeah. Um and I, I remember everyone was really chuffed and we were high fiving about it. Um and but looking back on that, it I mean it was no that was that fifty a day or fifty a week? I can't remember. It was it was a a small amount yeah. relative to what we're doing now, but at the time it, it was a big win. Um and then and then at, at some point, maybe two years in, and I wasn't, you know, I at this point, I was really kind of really content because I had money in the bank, which to me was a lot of money at the time. Yeah. And I think, and bearing in mind, we'd just gone and hit the recession. Were you
0: employed then or self-employed? No, self-employed. Right.
2: But right, when when when, when Jason told me I was going to be self-employed, I was super excited. Right. I remember like thinking, yeah, I'm self-employed. Yeah, oh, no, like, I an yeah, Like I've got <laughs> like my own little business. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited and I loved the idea of being self-employed, whereas now some people are a bit like shy away from it. Yeah. And um, but I I loved it. I've always loved that idea. And like I love working for myself. I don't think I'll ever work for anyone for the rest of my life.
0: I know. I think once you've well actually there's a lot of people that do go self-employed and then quickly realize this is not for me. Yeah. Because they don't push it, they don't sell themselves, they don't quite get their own yeah, the yeah, yeah. No paycheck.
2: You have to be very self-motivated. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
2: Um, so it was about must have been about two years in. I, I was ha- really happy with the way things were going, and and I was loving work. And to this day, I still like. I wake up in the morning and cannot wait to get to work. Really? Yeah. And I've never, never not looked forward to going to work in this place, ever. That's not one day. T- There's not one day I've ever woke up and thought, I oh, really can't be bothered today. Yeah. Um, and at, at the, in those days, Jay and I had a lot less stress, yeah. because there was just a few of us. Yeah, I remember um, Will and Tiff. Will Tiff, um, Tony, Tony, crazy yeah. American, and Paul. Oh yeah. And Lu- then Lucy came back from traveling. Right. Um, and so it was a lot less stress, and the overheads were far less. Yeah. Um, so we were doing fine. We were really enjoying it. The community was enjoying it, and we were getting some real good repeat custom, loads of which are still here today. Yeah. Um, and the majority of which are still here today. In fact. Really? Yeah. Um, now, from there, I remember Jay having a conversation with the guy who owned the building and then...
0: Sorry, this building or where you was?
2: No, where we were, and saying, we just can't have this anymore because we've got no parking spaces. We were out in the car park, like, flipping tyres yeah, where I people remember. were going to buy, like, lawnmowers and things.
0: Doing band runs outside yeah. in the car park.
2: Um, and it just got a bit too much for the people that owned the business next door, and they turfed us out.
0: Because classes started getting a decent size, didn't they, outside?
2: Yeah, yeah. So then we got... two we- people
0: driving past, like, what the fuck are them not doing? There's, like,
2: 20 yeah. people doing stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So that yeah, they turfed us out, or gave us our notice, and I having ha- having like zero worry or stress at the time, and no real experience of how business works. Jay is like r- a real optimist, um, and even more so in those days, and he's like, "Ah, we'll just find somewhere else." Yeah, um, and. Little did I know it's that it was actually kind of not as easy as, as well, just right? going walking into somewhere else. So, we, we when we got thrown out of there, I can't remember how we found it. I'd have to ask him. But we found this pig farm right. in Knockout, and we we moved every bit of kit over a weekend from Godfrey's into a pig farm, and all of the clients came, all the clients helped us move the kit, and then the clients came with us. I've just remembered it. Yeah. Really low ceilings in there.
0: That was completely erased from my memory. That entire yeah, shit. <laughs> and there was a few. Did you make the rooms yourself? Yeah, got up some chipboard and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fuck, I've forgotten about that completely. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think we were only there for like three months. Yeah, we took out the window so that we could put the like, leg press through the window. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And then this place came. This place has been empty for two years, and we looked at it, but we thought, I mean, it was. Before we put the mezzanines in, it was still 10,000 square foot. Right. Um, and our business was just far too small to consider taking it out. But the the space in the pig farm was running out of time and we didn't have anywhere else to go. So we applied to come here and it was at this stage where we needed some capital where I invested. Right. So it was then. Oh, okay. So Jay and I had a, a, a had a chat and a sit down. So You still had
0: some. How long? How long ago was the um, the cash winnings at this point when you were at the um, Big Farm? Do you think? At
2: least a year, maybe two years, maybe right. like eighteen months.
0: So you still got some of that money left.
2: Yeah, I I knew being like quite reckless with money. I I just I just promised myself that I was going to start a business with it or oh, really? invest in this business, and I kind of thought. This bit I really liked what I was doing here, and I liked what I was working. with Did your
0: mum. dad or do you say your uncle was giving you some business advice? No, um, like a family friend a family Gordo friend. El Gordo. El Gordo. Um, did either of them to say like yeah. say to you, listen? Yeah, I actually you've went to, to him
2: w- with it and said like, what should I do? Um, and we looked at the we looked at the accounts and things and made a decision for a set amount of money for equity, and then um, and then we 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 made the application for this place and. It's the best thing we've ever done. Yeah, right. When when we got it after a few failed attempts, we moved in, and the kit that we had must have filled a fifteenth of the gym. Yeah. So essentially, or not, all of our clients were still training; they were still coming into this empty warehouse and running about in like an empty warehouse with concrete floors and shit in the corner. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and it, had they have not done that, we would never have had the enough uh, of a cash flow to keep it going. Right. So never, did
0: J- Jason put in some money as well you put in some yeah, money yeah yeah no outside investment
2: no just you no so? we've never we've never had outside investment from anyone have you not no never
0: i thought you had partners since then
2: no we had we had one client who bought into the gym and then it just didn't work out for, for a few reasons and then yeah. we i actually bought her bought her out right okay yeah myself to get a bit more of equity nice um And she's still a client now, she's lovely, she's one of my really good friends. Yeah. And yeah, that so we never would have been here without that support from the clients. Yeah, right. And now it's like and now it's amazing. Like this is it's like a dream job.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what is cool as well, and you must notice this, you must stop to appreciate it, is when you some of like your Instagram posts will be just filming round when there's a class going on, there's shit loads of PTs going on, there's people doing their own stuff. Yeah. There's definitely a vibe you've created. Yeah. yeah. And when it's yeah. busy, you must look at that. Yeah, say, it's cool. Wow. I
2: come in on Saturdays. I come in every Saturday when I'm not working. I mean, I, I'm here every day. Yeah. I come in Saturdays, Sundays, not because I feel like I should always be working, which is another issue for being self-employed that we can talk about another time maybe, but um, I always come in and just sometimes just sit around and appreciate because my social time and my work time are very much intertwined. Yeah. Uh, these are. This is like my extended family. Yeah. And the trainers, like some of the trainers, are my best mates. I made mean, yeah. my very best mate is George. Like, and he's, yeah. And he's our, our general manager.
0: I think that's a bit of a key to getting that. I can't remember who said it, but it might have even been Tony Robbins. When was, when someone asked him about work life balance, he was like, "Forget that. There's no yeah. such thing." There isn't. Because for him, like. Kind of part of his social life because I guess it's it comes down to feeling not feeling like you're at work,
2: yeah. Well, you should never have to work a day in your life if you're doing something that you love, yeah. Um, there's always going to be like stressful days, but yeah, for sure. I think if you've got, and we were talking about this recently when training, like it's just super important to have some clarity as to where what you actually want to achieve, yeah, and like where you go, you need you need to know where the end goal is. Otherwise it's kind of guesswork and it's really easy to get caught up in the sort of day to day sort of putting out fires when it comes to running a business. You can spend days and just, you can spend days working on things that aren't ever going to help. Yeah. And it's very easy to be busy and it's not so easy to be productive. Yeah. So I think having a real, really well structured set of goals with, definitive end dates oh <laughs> That's something going on next door uh, with definitive end dates and like just some clarity is, is super important whatever you're doing
0: did you always have that though or is that something you and, you and Jason developed later now you've well not, not got serious for want of a better word
2: like, as I mentioned earlier with the like growing up thing I think it took me it's 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 taken me a long time to really grow up. Yeah. Um. And I think that my my brother's a really good example of this. Like, and he's really uh, it's something that I'm s- so happy that he's taught me, is to just enjoy the journey a yeah. bit more. Yeah. Um. And you know mindfulness is becoming super popular now. Um. And I guess that's just because we've now given it a term. Yeah. But Stu is mindful in a in his own way yeah in that he is just enjoying the moments yeah and when you've got a a brain that it works really quickly and i mean i've just my brain just never is never stops yeah Um, and a lot of it's just bullshit like it's just noise uh, yeah it's just noise you're right and i don't know i think you need to develop that just appreciation of the journey rather than the end goal there's always something you can i think until i was I've always been, I've always just enjoyed it maybe a bit too much sometimes and not ever had not ever been thinking about the future. Yeah. But I think there's there's a re- there's real there's really something to be said about people who can enjoy the moment and not stress out about what's next. Yeah. Because it's really easy and it's so materialistic this sort of generation um it's really easy to be thinking you know I'll be happy when I get that car yeah. or I'll be happy when I get that new watch or I'll be happier when I'm on holiday that you you get to those points and you are no happier yeah and you know I've become just super obsessed with that as a topic, yeah in the last sort of five years and and just every bit of wisdom around the um the science of happiness and and fulfillment all points back to this in this very mindful based approach of living in the moment yeah and that's just it's it's difficult to achieve it is but it's not unachievable you know i have i think i have periods throughout every day where i'm in that state yeah and then i have periods where my mind's just wandering yeah and it's being being able to bring yourself back in the moment. Yeah. And that's so difficult, right? Yeah. Sometimes like sometimes I'm thinking about such such nonsense. Like my brain <laughs> is just all over
0: the show. But that takes like daily practice, yep. I think, to be yep. able to catch yourself. Not cuz quite often i would catch myself and then beat myself up for a bit. What the fuck yeah. are you doing? Not like, yeah.
2: concentrate. That doesn't work. But then, you, but then you're beating your then you're, your mind's wandering about beating yourself up about not exactly. concentrating,
0: <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like the yeah.
2: human brain is It's mental.
0: Yeah. But that takes daily practice and it never it's never something you master I don't think. Yeah. You have to practice it every every day. Yeah. To be good at
3: it.
2: Yeah, 100% and I'm I, I was saying to you the other day I, I think it'd be worth spending some time with some people who are good at it. Yeah. Which I haven't. Yeah. You know, um you hear I've seen a lot a lot of successful people talking about doing these retreats silent retreats or spending time with Buddhist monks yeah um, or just Buddhists in general who have that um, much more mindful based approach yeah I'd love to do that but it's getting around to I guess yeah but I mean the, the, the thing I think that, re- that really changed for me was the idea I mean this is why my brain is all over the show a lot of the time the idea that there are things that people know that I don't really gets to me <laughs> yeah I mean I've, like it's
0: funny enough um Alison told me that you had she was telling me how you had a, she had a conversation with you about how we read all the same books and we're into a lot of the same stuff which is when I was just before I was about to ask you about this podcast and and she said that to me she said that um it bothers you that there's knowledge out there that other people know yeah. that you don't
2: yeah it's mental I mean I've I've had um and we haven't really touched on it but i've had like really addictive i have lot lo- lots of addictive behaviors and always have yeah um in i just about every type of addiction that there is because i'm like i don't I, and again i've read into this to like real depth about why you would have why i find it so much harder to stop at the right point rather than just be excessive with everything yeah and that is one of those behaviors and it's same with exercise. I'm I'm like if I'm if I'm training, then I would nearly always train hard. Yeah. Um, and I have to train every day. Right. oh Really. Yeah. I have to train. Do something every day. Some sort of Um, movement. because my brain chemistry just works. I'm I'm just in such a better place when I've when I've done some exercise. Yeah. And um, but the the knowledge stuff. When I started reading, like every everything that anyone's ever learned ever is now free. Yeah. Like every bit of knowledge in human history, for the first time ever, yep. you can now access in your palm of your hand. It's
0: pretty weird, right?
2: So, so now when I'm spending time, like I, I get restless if I'm not learning about something. Yeah. Not 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 to show off, but just because I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. And when you start reading more, then you're like, and you learn something new, and you're like, how did I not like? How did I survive without knowing this? <laughs> yeah. Even if it's something really like contrived or like something that's seemingly um, useless, yeah, I'm still like I should have known that. And then I and then I then I read about it more, yeah. And like I I know I read a book on astrology, um, and then and then I found myself reading a book on like astrophysics, (laughs) and I was reading it and it was really complex. And then but I was thinking I fucking should have known this, right. Well, you shouldn't, obviously. <laughs> but but there, there is, it's exciting and a bit scary at the same time that there is just, you're never, the more you learn, the more you realise how you, much you know fuck all, yeah.
0: basically. How do you find, because I'm exactly the same with looking into things and knowledge and stuff like that, and at the moment, I'm in an evening, when I know it's quite important to switch off, I think, yeah. and I don't know how you manage to do it and how you get on with it, but it's definitely important to try and just stop for a while and do enjoy simple things so what i do quite enjoy is in the evening just chilling out and watching netflix i quite like that yeah i don't do it all the time but i like to do it but recently i might get halfway through a program and start feeling restless and i'll pick up my phone and start trying to learn something yeah and then i'm a bit uncomfortable because i'm like well i should in my head it's not that there's knowledge out there that other people know and i don't for me it's a little pestering like you should be doing something if you want, you want to be that someone that's you what should I be have doing in my head The whole time, really. Yeah,
2: and I can, I, I, can't remember. I'm getting, I'm getting better at switching off. But I can't. Do you know? And this is this is an unhealthy habit. And we've talked talked about this before. But I find if I drink, then that's the only way I can really, like, really s- switch relax. off. Yeah, yeah. chill. Um, which is something I'm working on because it's a really unhealthy habit it's a really unhealthy behavior for me yeah not necessarily for everyone yeah that makes but sense. because i'm quite excessive <laughs> sometimes if i have a couple of drinks i mean nearly every time if i have a couple of drinks then i'll drink until i'm a bit drunk yeah or very drunk yeah and that's not good for anyone
0: yeah i think you're similar to me in that way because it's similar to the exercise as well yeah a bit all or nothing
2: yeah it's, it's really hard to find a balance it really is and i, I know because there's always, if you run a business, there's always something to be done. Yeah. So switching off isn't, doesn't feel like an option, but that is just something that is like, it's almost like a forced switch off. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I mean, that's happening less and less now than it ever has like historically in my adult life. So I'm, I'm kind of all right with that.
3: Yeah.
0: But, but you're... I, uh... Still up for the one year, no?
2: I, yeah. I I think if I had a year of of not drinking at all, I would just get so much done. Yeah, um, and and I have had periods where I've not drunk at all, and I have felt just one thousand percent better about everything. Your brain chemistry improves, energy levels improve, your your skin looks better. Like it's the consistency as money, well, isn't it? Having money. that consistently, F- you you feel incredible, so more, so much more optimistic and but it's yes yeah, it's being consistent with it and i and i think you need to go more than a month i think you need to go like four or five months to get the real yeah benefits from it yeah um but and there's also so much to be done there's so much to be achieved and and i don't want to get to my sort of late 40s 50s and think shit i should have done that because it it's not much to sacrifice. In fact, it's nothing to sacrifice. Yeah. You're not missing anything. You know, I've been, on the nights I've been out when I haven't drunk and I I just don't tend to go out if I'm not drinking, certainly to like a pub or a bar, but on the nights I have, I've actually had a really good time. Yeah. And it's been, it's a bit annoying. There's there's a time when you should leave. Yeah. Cut it off. Um, But you still have as much fun and you wake up in the morning and you feel a million times
0: but in our younger years let's be
2: honest we've had some fun doing it oh 100 <laughs> but I, I think at this stage that the, the um i feel like the bad like the morning after is worse than the enjoyment i'm having the night before now it sense. is it's yeah, outweighing now it. it is for sure um and and where i'm where i'm like really into my training now. It just feels like you start again every week. Yeah. If you go out the weekend it feels like you're starting all over again. Yeah, and as we spoke about, it can take three days now before you Yeah.
0: And you're definitely not optimal after three days, you're just yeah. kind of back to okay. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when there, you're there, never there's, boozing
2: there's there's a stage where it becomes like just a done thing, people go out boozing and then now now that I'm in my thirties I'm a bit like it's not really very cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just habitual. Yeah you know I don't you don't you know people in your 20s that is expected yeah largely in the, in our culture anyway you know people go out they get boozed they're a bit reckless yeah but now I just don't I just I don't feel very cool doing it anymore. <laughs> no um and I, and I feel like it, it for me it is a habit and is a bit of a um a bit of an addictive habit that needs to stop yeah um, but it's
0: part of it it's definitely part of british culture as well yeah and, and I personally fucking love a good pub.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the and That's problem, why it'd right? be hard to give up. But but don't you find in a pub that there is, you could get the same value, you get more value having two to three pints. Yeah. Than you would if I could just stop at two to three pints, then I wouldn't be wanting to give up drinking for a year. Yeah. But that that's my problem. I'm not. I'm not. It makes it sound like we're alcoholics, but that's not the case. Like yeah. it's very normal for people to go out once or twice a week yeah but what's not normal is well perhaps it is but not as frequent as it sh- as it used to be and that is nailing 10 pints yeah <laughs> yeah you know there's no there's really no no value in it yeah absolutely you know i went out last night and met um met a couple of i mean alf and miller and went out briefly and i was only out for like two or three hours and i did seven pints Yeah seven points and I took myself home last night because I knew we were we going to be chatting today and also I just I'm trying to leave before other people yeah because I'm always otherwise I'm always the one who's there last like let's carry on the and like, last out. Yeah. it's just yeah pointless that was massively um, me when I was younger yeah and um yeah I remember <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just yeah I just think it is it'd just be there's no bad that can come from spending a bit of time it's money as well like yeah just, absolutely if you look back at your bank account and how much money you spend on going out eating and drinking I mean it's it's in the thousands of pounds a month yeah
0: after your bills it's got to be well when you're shopping it's up there
2: for sure definitely Um, so no it'd be it'd be a welcome a welcome challenge there's there's shit to achieve Rick
0: absolutely and there is and I was talking to Stuart about this and he's like no there's not really those there
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, we're very different though. Mitch yeah,
0: too. and I, and I am to him as well. But I think that's partly. Well, we're very similar as well. But yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that we can laugh at each other, each other's differences, is yeah, is important as well. I think.
2: And there, and th- to be to be um, clear, there is no right or wrong way of. Absolutely. Like I'm not saying that my way of looking at things is better than anyone's. Yeah. Sometimes that's I cool. look at people who, like like Stu's a great example. Sometimes I look at. um his outlook at life, and it makes me a bit jealous. I'm, yeah. I'm not jealous, I'm but like, I'm like, yeah, good for you. Yeah, like, just content. Yeah, which is the only important thing. Yeah, true. Um, it's you what know, we're all looking for really. Yeah, the only one common goal everyone on the entire planet has in common is to be happy. Yeah. Um, So, but it's just people have different routes to get in there. I think for the first time ever, I've got a really clear understanding of what it takes to make me happy yeah which I've never had before
0: yeah you definitely I think I think it's the once you start like getting into your 30s like you said because you just start questioning things and looking at it differently yeah I had zero ambition until I was probably 27 yeah zero I I was just going for the motions
2: yeah I think the same with me I think
0: which is weird because then I listen to other successful entrepreneurs and stuff, and they talk about how they were getting started at like twenty two and yeah, I'm like, like s- or selling what? sweets at school, like yeah. The start and the I'm tuck like, shop, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Who does that?
2: Yeah. But are you, are, are, in our industry, not in our industry, but in that like su- whole success industry, that is pretty common, isn't it? That people yeah. like start young, and you get these like um. You only really hear the success stories. Yeah but one thing I, that I wanted to touch on with you actually at some point is talking about um like failure and the importance of it yeah in in every in everyone's life yeah and this whole concept of like failing forward yeah okay yeah. Right, and when i've done something and and i've failed at it i've really beaten myself up about it yeah and and but but when you look back on it you, it's so true that yeah. you get so much value from it massively yeah. and and um that talk I was listening to by Jack Ma the Alibaba billionaire was saying that there is no real it, it isn't to be encouraged i think that's that's something that sometimes what that some of the things i've read and heard people are encouraging it and i don't i don't agree with that i don't think it should be encouraged but i think if it happens you shouldn't you yeah. should not beat yourself up yeah, but absolutely. it's so difficult
0: yeah it takes a while to come out I think everyone's gonna yeah but it takes a while to reframe it yeah definitely
2: Like you have to swallow your pride on it like we, when we so we opened the gym in Wimbledon and for for a myriad of reasons it didn't it didn't work out location staff distance from here and you know but we lost tens of thousands of pounds on it yeah and and Jay and I were having a chat where we were like deciding whether or not to close it and in hindsight we should have closed it months earlier. Right. But it's pride. Yeah. And then, so we could have saved another 20 grand. Yeah. But we didn't because it's, you have to swallow your pride.
0: Massively, which is probably one of the hardest things of, like, cause it was similar to me with the shop. I had to make the decision to stop. Yeah. It wasn't just, I had options. I could have, I could have got some more money and, and tried to make a yeah. go of it, Yeah, but I had to decide I don't think you should get some more money you should cut cut your losses
2: yeah you? i think that that is experience though isn't it and there's that the seth godin i think it's seth Godin tipping point is it
0: uh i think that is seth godin yeah
2: and it, and this is this is something you only get from experience and that is knowing whether you're at the point where you just need to push that little harder or invest that little more or spend a bit more time in it or whether you should just knock on yeah. the head yeah. and that, that you can only learn that through experience Yeah, and I guess that's what they're saying by fail forward because each time you fail you're going to learn where that point is I guess Yeah, but that is a real real dagger to the ego
0: massively for me it was after I started the salad house and I was deep in it and it wasn't going that well I started to realise I don't want to make a go of this I'm not enjoying it yeah. this isn't and I felt so fucking dumb for throwing myself so headfirst into something. Yeah. And then all, all of a sudden I had to admit to people, is not for me. Yeah. They were like, what? What about the last fucking year and a half? You've been throwing everything into this.
2: I think that's probably the, the hardest part about it is, and it shouldn't be because you shouldn't give a fuck what everyone else thinks. Yeah. But it is saying to people, it is trying to sell something so much and believe in it so much and then turning around and going, actually I just I don't want to do it anymore or it's yeah. not worked yeah. like that it's really hard it's yeah. really hard because, yeah, it you, because there's there's a period where people go where people don't know and they're like hey how's salad house going yeah and you're like oh nice yeah I'll shut it Yeah, and then it's I don't know it's, you, we shouldn't be bothered about it and I think I'm getting less bothered about it but it is just difficult isn't it yeah massively because yeah it is a bruise
0: on the on the ego but it's only now really that I've started to really appreciate the lessons yeah because it made me it just made me ask, Well what the fuck do you want from life then? Like, yeah. This was really wrong. Yeah for you. Yeah. What is right for you? What do you want? Yeah. And I was like, Oh right, yeah, I never asked
2: that before I started this, did I? This is a tough thing, I think, that you whenever you whenever people are talking about achieving goals and becoming successful, I think the difficult thing, the most difficult thing is knowing what you actually want to do. Yeah. And you know, when people say follow your passion, you know, and only do a job that you enjoy. Like, it's difficult to work out what 100%. you actually enjoy, yeah, and not like, what you actually want, yeah. And that—that that I found was the, like the hardest. I, I was never short sure on confidence or self-esteem yeah. or the belief that I could do it. Never, and I'm still not. But then it's like where to channel that. Yeah, like, it's difficult to know what you actually want what to go after. And I, and I can and I can imagine that's the same for nearly everyone. Like, what do I actually want to achieve? Like, what are my goals? Like, yeah, it's just it's working, you know. Because it's easy to say to people, like, follow your dreams, but the hard part is working out what they are.
0: Yeah, and I've always been jealous of someone that has something from a young age where they say, "I want to be this," and that just stays consistent all the way through their life. They, that's it's almost like they found their calling and they're just going after that. I've never had that.
2: That's what word I was looking for. Like, they're finding your calling. Yeah. And I, but I wonder how many people. Have actually found their calling or have thought they had, and then just stick to that path because they've invested so much time. True. Into yeah. It. It's difficult.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: One thing I think that is worth being like, super mindful of is that whatever happens, whether it's a success or a failure, or not, certainly more so for failures, is that a year after it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so look, like and, and not even just in business, just in life. Yeah. Like, and I've been through some like tough times in my um twenties, as you know, and and at the time you're like, this is end of the world, Dad. Yeah. Lad. yeah. Now how could I've done that? Like, it's that how I can't live with this. I'm like, you're super sad, depression. I mean, depression is just so prevalent now yeah. with younger people. But you actually, and it, you just need someone to help convince you that it does won't stay like that. Yeah, and, uh, nearly like nearly every problem that you'll ever encounter in your life w- won't be a problem a year later.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: um But that's easiest. It's easy for people to say that, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Is Jay in the office? But that's probably yeah. Uh, okay. All right. That's a
0: good place to end, mate. Yeah. We've got to go as well.
2: Yeah, agreed.